Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Our earth, our home, is destined for a surprising and sudden end. But what concerns me about that is is not so much the destiny of our earth, but our destiny that will come following the destruction of the earth. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Essentially what we learn is, is that when this world is destroyed and it's all over, it's not all over for us. We're going to judgment. And on that day, there's going to be two options for us. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. But then we can look in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, the Scripture there says, Then He will say to those on His left, in Matthew 25 and 41, Depart from Me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. On that day, we find that there are going to be two destinies. Those who get to go into into heaven that is reserved for them by the power of God, And those who are cast off from the left who are going to be cast into the eternal fire. And here's the problem for me. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to go to heaven, but I recognize, based on that verse and based on my life, that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve heaven. According to Ezekiel 18 and verse 20, the soul who sins will die. Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, and that death is the spiritual death that's talked about in that Matthew 25 passage of being cast into that eternal lake of fire. I recognize that I've sinned. I have earned my way into hell. But I don't want to go there. And this morning, I would like to talk to you for just a few moments about why I don't want to go to hell. Tonight we're going to look at the other side of that and we're going to talk about why I do want to go to heaven. But this morning I would just like to share with you a few reasons why I want to stay out of this place that I've earned. I don't want to receive the wages of my actions. And therefore why I want to submit to Jesus so I can have His grace. Before we get into that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty and glorious Father in heaven, Every single one of us here know that we've sinned. Every single one of us here know that we deserve an eternity of condemnation and punishment because we have turned away from You. We've rebelled against You. We've we've defiled Your holiness. And we pray, Father, that You would forgive us. We are so thankful for Your Son who died on the cross, whose sacrifice is the propitiation for our sins, who was resurrected, giving us the hope of resurrection to life eternal. And Father, we pray that we would be motivated in whatever way is effective, that we might submit to the grace of Your Son, so that we would not endure the eternal torment and punishment of hell, but we might enjoy the eternal bliss and comfort and joy 
of being in heaven with You forever. Father, we love You. And we thank You for loving us. Through Your Son who died for us, that we might come to You in prayer and come to You in eternity. We pray these things. Amen. The first and foremost reason why I do not want to go to hell is because in hell, I will be separated from the Father. Complete, absolute, utter separation. If you look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, as Paul talked about the two division or the division that's going to take place at the end, he talked about those who would be cast aside into the lake of fire because they did not obey the gospel or know the Lord Jesus. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His mind. The punishment is being cast away from God. I wonder if we can truly fathom that. In our sermons and in our classes and in the way we talk today somewhat accommodatively, we talk about coming into the presence of God and we talk about going out of the presence of God. And and when we use those things, we need to understand that we're speaking accommodatively. Sometimes we're talking about the act of, of worshiping God, doing things specifically to worship Him, and by that we're coming into His presence, just like we're we're doing this morning, just like we do at home when we pray and when we sing. We talk about that other times we're meaning that as we talk about somebody that's coming into the will of God or somebody who is abandoning the will of God. But what we need to understand is that in truth, we're still in the presence of God. God's power and might still sustains us even when we're in sin on this earth. So when we talk about coming into the presence of God and out of the presence of God uh, as we live through this world, we're not talking in absolute terms. We're speaking somewhat accommodatively. Look in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, Paul, as he preached on Mars Hill, said that in Him we live and move and have our very being. If we are living and moving and having our very being, that means that in that sense, we are in the presence of God. God is using His power to sustain us. And that's happening to everyone on this world alike, whether they're saints or sinners. In Matthew chapter 5, In Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked about love and about loving our enemies, in Matthew 5 and verse 45, He said, "...so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes His sunrise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust." As long as we're still in this earth, there is a sense in which we are in the presence of God. His power is still being extended to care for us and bless us, whether we're right with God or whether we're wrong with God. But hell... The punishment that we face in eternity is being absolutely removed from the presence of God. God no longer lifts His hand to bless us by His power, to sustain us in joyful existence. I'm not sure that we can fathom that. I can tell you the illustration that I use that I picture in my mind. To me, the concept of being utterly abandoned is demonstrated by by suffocation. Could you imagine being plunged into some water, somebody having a pillow over your face, and, and you just can't breathe? The terror, the fear, you know that there's oxygen somewhere, but you can't get to it, you can't move to find it, and, and just having that state continually. 
That's what I picture in my mind. Just the, the absolute utter abandonment. There's not even the air to breathe. Not even the strength to move. Abandoned by God. That, that's, that's what hell is. That's why I don't want to go there. I don't want to be separate from the Father. Second reason is because that separation from the Father is described in Scripture as, as torment. I don't want to go to hell because in, in hell I'll face absolute torment. Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, as Jesus told the parables of judgment, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Punishment. That same word that's translated punishment there is used in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, there the Scripture points out, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. If you have the King James Version, I believe there it says torment. That concept of punishment, that word there is a reference to pain, to torment. When we think about crime and punishment today, we think about jail sentences. And I don't know what you believe and what's your picture of what jail is like or what a prison sentence is like, but I'll tell you what, whatever we can imagine in our world as punishment for crime, hell is worse. Torment. Agony. Pain. I understand that the pictures of eternity, I think, are perhaps just are given to us to help impress upon our minds how agonizing it is. But perhaps it's not literal. I understand that we're going to have spiritual bodies. That we're not going to have the physical bodies in eternity. And so, therefore, some of the, the pictures of physical torment may not be a completely accurate picture, but are given to us, rather, to demonstrate to us the agony that it's going to be like. And in, in, in the Bible, the picture is that of fire. And look in Luke 16. In Luke 16, beginning at verse 19, we're told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And if I understand this correctly, this is not even a picture of the eternal torment in hell. This is a picture of, of the torment in, in Hades, in the realm of the dead, in the waiting place, we might say. And I know some disagree with that, but, but if I understand it correctly, that's what that is. And if it's this tormentous in that waiting place, as, as they await that final judgment of eternity in hell, I imagine what it's going to be like forever in hell. In verse 23, it says that the rich man in Hades, being in torment lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Do you hear the despair in his voice? In anguish. Just a drop of cold water would, be, would help. It's so bad that even just that little bit would be of benefit. What torment and agony. I, I've forever had implanted indelibly on my mind a picture of what I think that could be like, that, that pain. And, and again, I, I realize that this is somewhat accommodated, but when I was in high school, I worked for a refrigeration company. We had a contract at a steel mill. 
in Blyville, Arkansas. New course field. And while I was out there working one day, I happened to see what they called the reheat chamber. See, this is the way this would work. They would get the steel and they would melt it down, and that was bad enough. But then they would get in these I-beams. But at first, it would just be an I-beam that was about 10 feet long. It was very thick, and, and they would have to stretch those things out. If the guys that were making those I-beams were working faster than the folks who were stretching it out in the length that it was supposed to be, then it would cool down, and they'd have to run it through what was called the reheat chamber. They had to get that steel hot so that they could run it along the little machine they had that would stretch it out into its proper size. I happened to be there one day when they were opening that thing up. I was more than a hundred feet away. I was in a cinder block room with a two and a half inch solid core steel door with plexiglass in the window. And I watched them as they opened it up. They made sure everybody got out of the way. We were all in that room. I watched as it opened up and the blue white flames came, lick, you know, came flying out of that thing as the steel was, was shoved inside. And over a hundred feet away behind a cinder block wall and in a two and a half inch steel door, I could still feel the heat. And I just imagined what it would be like to be thrown inside that thing and not allowed to die, just to be there. Torment. Agony. I don't want that. And so I don't want to go to hell. And the third reason is, is because the Scripture demonstrates to us that our our stay in this torment, in this separation from God, is eternal. I understand that that's becoming less and less popular among people today. I understand that folks are trying to tell us, oh, I just can't believe God would do that. And, And so they're coming up with reasons why it doesn't mean that. But that is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that we're dealing with eternal torment. In Matthew chapter 25 again. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then we look over in the book of Jude. In Jude, it talks about the angels who did not stay within, this is Jude verse 6, the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. We're talking about an eternal punishment. Some would say to us, oh yes, the fire is eternal. The fire is eternal, but our punishment is not really eternal. We're going to be casting that fire, and it's going to be excruciating, it's going to be tormentous, but it'll be over in a moment as our souls are obliterated by that. And yet, if you flip back over to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, a different phrase is used. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's not just an eternal fire. We will endure an eternal punishment. And we will endure the punishment as long as those who have life endure the life. And I don't want to endure that for eternity. Y'all know that off and on throughout my life, and I stay here, I've been a runner. Not much recently, I'm sure you can tell. But when I've done that, 
It doesn't take very long. My body starts screaming out in pain. My, my lungs are gasping for breath. My muscles are, are, are cramping up. My stomach is hurting. My side is hurting. My back and my knees hurt. And, 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 and after about uh, 30 seconds of running, I'm ready to quit. But normally, I go ahead and carry on to the end. And the reason is, is because I know there's an end. And I've got my little stopwatch there. And I'm saying to myself, okay, I can do this. I can endure anything for 10 more minutes. I can endure anything for 5 more minutes. I can endure anything for 30 more seconds. I can do this. And I generally make it. But in hell, there won't be a stopwatch. I won't be able to look at the second hand and count down how much longer I have to go through this. It's going to be forever. And I don't want to go there. And finally, I don't want to go there because it'll be worse for me than if I hadn't believed. Second Peter, chapter two. Second Peter, chapter two, verses twenty through twenty-two. It says, "For if." After they have escaped the defilements, this is Second Peter chapter two and verse twenty. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than, than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to the wallow in the mire. This passage points out that it would have been better if I had never believed. Eternally, it would have been better for me if I had never believed than having believed to have abandoned what God has said. Now, I know that some folks try to get around this passage, and, and I don't know why they think they're doing this, but, but they'll say things like, now, that doesn't mean that hell is worse for us. That just means that our knowledge makes it worse. Well, I don't care what makes it worse. It says it's worse. If it's our knowledge, or if it's because it's, hot, it's a little bit hotter, I don't care. It says it's worse. It's going to be worse for me than for folks who never believe. And so I don't want to go there. Listen, I'm not saying that hell's a walk in the park for folks who never believe. I, I don't want to be there if I hadn't believed, but I, but I especially don't want to be there because now having believed and left the world, if I go back and am again entangled in it, Peter said that latter state would be worse than the first. I don't want to go. And I don't want you to go. I remember one time when I was in Texas, we were having a special meeting on uh, creation and evolution issues. And by the way, that reminds me, we have a vacation Bible school coming up in a few weeks on evidences, June 11th through 14th. Do you have that marked on your calendar? You need to be here for that. But as we were planning this particular meeting, we went out to the university in town. And we're inviting college students and professors and handed a tract to one young lady, and we ended up having a study with her. And one of the things that she said, you know, I read through that tract you gave me, and one of the things that bothers me is it sounds like part of your motivation is fear. And that, for her, was a real problem. Well, I just want you to know that that's exactly right. Part of the motivation here is fear. Matthew chapter 10.
and verse 28. Matthew 10 and verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear is not the only motivation. Tonight I'm going to talk about the positive motivation of why I want to go to heaven, but I want you to understand that I want you to avoid hell, and I don't care what your motivation is. If your motivation is fear of hell, that's okay. Come to Jesus because of that. We need to be afraid of hell. We need to fear the God who can put us there if we won't submit to Him. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go because I'll be separated from my Lord. I don't want to go because that separation will be torment. I don't want to go because that torment will be eternal. And I don't want to go because that separation and eternal torment will be worse for me than it will be if I had never believed. And I hope that you don't want to go either.